And then others of us um, aren't sure what the reason of the season is. It's probably the big or, uh, red guy with presents. Um, and yet the presents don't seem to, to really animate us anymore. It's not like when we were kids and there was that simple, you know, happiness that came with Christmas. And we're wondering, where, where is that joy? How can we get genuine joy at Christmas? Um, I invite you to, to journey through the text with me today from Luke. And we're going to see uh, what the Holy Spirit does, what kind of joy the Holy Spirit genuinely gives. And, and, and we're going to be asking, how can we get that? Because we're, um, if you're like me, you're tired of not feeling it. So um, let's, let's read the, the text together. Not too long after, Mary got up and hurried to a city in the Judean hills. Uh, There she entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. That's her cousin. This is what happened. The moment Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby, this is John the Baptist, leaped inside her womb. And God filled Elizabeth with the Holy Spirit. Then in a loud voice, Elizabeth blurted out, God has blessed you more than any other woman. And he has blessed the baby in your womb. And, and how has he, he has honored me too, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Listen, as soon as I heard your voice greeting me, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. Happy is the woman who trusted the Lord to do everything he promised her. If you're familiar with uh, the, the, um, the Christmas story in Luke, you know that, uh, that, that Mary has gone to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who is now pregnant with John the Baptist. She's uh, like six months ahead of Mary, so John and, and Jesus are probably um, about six months apart in age. And, uh, and, and, and Mary has just found out that she's pregnant with, you know, the savior of the world, and she's, you know, confused, and she's, and so she goes, and then, and then all of this happens. Now, this is uh, my translation. I've really contemporized it a, a lot, and so if you're familiar with older virgins, it might sound a little bit different. I want to point out a couple of things that I've done. I've really just, um, for the most part, just tried to make it a little smooth in English, but there are a few interesting things. Um, you may remember, uh, if, if you're familiar with older translations, God filled Elizabeth. It, was, it says, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. I have, God has blessed you. Uh, uh, you are blessed amongst women. And uh, that's a part of the, uh, the Hail Mary in the Catholic Church. Um, blessed, the, uh, blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Uh, again, he has blessed the baby in your womb. Blessed um, is the baby in your, room, your womb. The baby in your womb is blessed. I have, uh, I, I've put God in. If you're reading in the New King James or most other translations, you don't see God in these texts. Uh, he's not there uh, because instead you have passive voice. Was filled with the Holy Spirit. Blessed art thou amongst women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb. I hate the passive voice. Uh, I'm a teacher, and a lot of my students, because they're weak and cowardly, uh, will will write in the passive voice. Um, and also, my children speak in the passive voice. So they'll say, "Daddy, Olivia was pushed down the stairs." Okay, right. And you can see uh, the, the tactic here, right? It's like, well, it, just, it just happened. She was just pushed. Who did that? The dog? Did Piper push Olivia down the stairs? My students, you know, they're, they're like, uh, they'll, they'll say things like, um, you know, it is possible that there was a time when... Uh, the world uh, was, 
You know, they just, they, 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 they qualify everything. They put everything passive and weak. They're hiding stuff. And so for me, I hate the passive voice. The passive voice hides things. No, Alice, you were the one who pushed Olivia down the stairs. You, student, make a case. Own your words. Say what you think. Don't make it all weak and, and, and passive. Uh, th- that's not what's going on in the, in the, in the ancient world. In the ancient world, uh, especially uh, in Jewish tradition, um, by the time of the New Testament's written, the people of Israel are very, um, they're very uncomfortable uh, talking about God or using God's name, Yahweh. It's, uh, they've almost got uh, like almost superstitions around it. And so they go out of their way to never say God did this or God did that. In fact, instead they'll say things like Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Or they'll say, um, you will be uh, uh, filled with joy or something like that. What they're really doing, these are called divine passives. They're, they're eliding the God apart, but to still communicate the same stuff. So they're following a tradition, and if you're reading this and you're hearing uh, the New Testament in the ancient world, you know almost, almost every time you get passive voice, it's really God doing something. And, and the author observing a custom of not attributing it to God. So if you're, uh, this is actually a helpful Bible study tip if you're uh, reading scripture, and especially the New Testament, and you start seeing a lot of passive voice was filled, um, you will be uh, overcome, you know, da, 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 almost every time. What's really going on is the author is saying that God's doing something or God will do something. And if you add that in, you'll, you hear it a lot more. And so I, I've just made that explicit here. And so what we find out is that it's not just the Holy Spirit who's doing stuff. There's also the Father is doing stuff, right? So the Father filled Elizabeth with the Holy Spirit. Um, that's where the joy comes from. The joy is not just uh, the Holy Spirit. It's not just about the baby, but it's also about the Father and the Spirit. And not only that, but, but it, it's, it's the Father and, and the Spirit, but the joy is coming from who? Jesus. I mean, Jesus is the center of the story, right? It's Mary's bringing Jesus in, and as soon as Elizabeth hears Mary's greeting, she's overcome with the Spirit because she knows that she's come face-to-face with her Savior. So the Father sends the Son to Elizabeth, and the Holy Spirit reveals that and releases is joy. This is an important point for Christians. You need to understand that joy is something that comes from the triune God and the triune God only. There is no genuine joy in the world that does not come from God and God alone and not only just God but the triune God of Christian faith. There is no genuine joy in the world that does not come from Father, Son, Spirit, the one God, Yahweh of Israel. That's the first thing in your notes. The gift of joy comes from the Father through the Son, revealed and released by the Spirit. And so as we're, we're, we're looking for joy and we're searching for joy, what we need to be looking for is not Xbox One X. As awesome as that is, some of the kids are telling me it's that now Microsoft has is, is got games that are coming out and now you can display them on your 4K TV. That is not the source of joy. Unless, I guess, the Father has, has willed to bring that through the Son and the power of the Spirit and reveal it to you, which he hasn't. I want to um, go back to the text. Um, this is a joy in the New Testament. I just wanted to kind of uh, bring out a few um, elements of joy so that we, we, know, we know it's coming from God. And now how does the scripture, how does the New Testament especially kind of characterize it? What does it look like? And so this is uh, from John. I have a couple from Paul. Let me read these to you. A woman, this is Jesus speaking uh, to his disciples. A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. That's an understatement. 
But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish. Also a bit of an understatement. For joy that a human being has been born into the world. Therefore, you now have sorrow because Jesus is going away. He's, gonna, he's going to die. But I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. But I'm going to come back, and this time he's going to give the Spirit, and the Spirit's going to increase joy, and it's never going to go away. But what is it that brings joy here? It's, um, in, in Jesus' mind, it's when the mother realizes that something has taken place, God has done something in the world. It's a true fact that a human being has been brought into the world. The truth about the birth is what brings the joy to the mother. Moreover, when they realize that Jesus isn't gone forever, but he's back and and is revealed to them, that truth sticks with them. Joy comes from a recognition that God is active or was active in the world. God did something. I recognize that as true. That's where joy starts. You can see this again in in Paul. Here's a couple of texts uh, from Paul. Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown... So stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Paul's uh, writing to the church in, in Philippi, and he's calling the people there his joy. If you're familiar with what Paul's doing, Paul travels all around the world, the known world, uh, the ancient Near East, and wherever he goes, he starts up churches. And he, he preaches the word, and he gets people to come. And, and, and you've, if you've known people when they first come to faith, there's that excitement, that joy that happens. We're like, God is real. My sins are forgiven. I have eternal life. There's joy that wells up, right? But, but Paul's seen something happen. He's seen it happen where that happens, and he leaves, and later he hears that that joy kind of disappeared, that the hope disappeared, and these people gave up. And so what Paul's looking for is he's looking for people for whom that doesn't happen. Notice the language that he uses here. Brethren, brothers and sisters, family. Paul thinks of these people as his family. And what he wants to hear is that his family's doing well. That's, uh, I mean, for any of you who have uh, close family and friends, and I assume that's all of you, you know what it's like when, uh, when, you, when you leave and you uh, let these people that you love go and, and they're doing stuff and you're not a part of it. And if they're not on Facebook and Instagram, you have no way of finding out what they're doing. So you're lost and you're confused and you're scared. And all you're worried about, all you're hoping for is some news that they're doing well. And when that happens, when you get that news, they're on the phone and they're like, hey, I just got a job offer. Your heart swells. You're like, oh, I can relax now. I know that the people that I care about are doing well. That news comes, that truth comes, and your affection for them wells up into joy, a response to the truth. Similarly, um, notice here in in, uh, 2 Corinthians, where Paul is uh, talking about what happened to one of his friends and co-evangelist helpers, Titus. He's telling the church at Corinth, in this we find comfort in addition to our own consolation. We rejoice still more at the joy of Titus because his mind has been set at rest by all of you. Paul went and he found Titus and Titus had been with him uh, at the church of Corinth and he said, hey, good news. The church at Corinth is thriving. The, the people are still faithful. They're, 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 they're in, in, the, in the spirit. And Titus goes, woohoo! Because now he can whew, relax. Now he can be at peace knowing that the people that he loves are doing well. 
And so you kind of see this, uh, this movement, right, uh, for the biblical sense of joy, where truth comes, right, some true thing, this true fact comes, you acknowledge it, and immediately you're filled with this, this sense of bliss or excitement or you know, happiness, something like that. And then, if you notice right here with Titus, then it settles into a kind of peace of mind or, or a steady conviction that all is well. Right? So the news about who God is and what he's doing comes. We're elated, we're blissful, and then knowing that and letting that settle into our hearts uh, ends, ends up with a, a feeling of peace. That's the next thing in your note sheets. I think. Oh, I guess that's the next thing in your note sheets. Oh, I know, this is, uh, this is joy, right? This is an analog for joy. Um, we'll go back, we'll talk about it for a second. This is an analog for joy. Uh, this, is, this is like that moment where the truth comes and you feel real happy, like bliss, right? Like, uh, I, I still remember when I learned to ride a bike, uh, my dad, uh, he was like, you know, I, I felt like he was pushing me, and then he let go, and then I fell over and started bleeding, and I cried. And then he's like, get back up, do it again. So then the same thing happened. I'm bleeding more. And my mom's starting to get worried. But my dad, he doesn't care about my feelings or, or my pain. He just cares about results. And so he's like, get back up and do it a third time. And the third time stuck. And I remember Jeff and Scott, the Eichlers were all there. There was like all the people in the neighborhood. This is in my mind. It probably didn't happen like this. Everyone's cheering, right? And you, and you, right, because I achieved an amazing thing. Uh, but you know that feeling, right? That feeling when you balance for the first time. It's very similar to the first time you catch a wave, right? And you pop up and you're like, this is incredible. That's joy. Well, the closest human analog we can get to joy. It's not genuine joy. And why is that? Well, it's because, yeah, you have that moment. The truth settles in. You're like, this is incredible. You're filled with bliss. And then it gets a little bit boring. Then you're like kind of used to it. And it's just, oh, I can ride a bike. Not a big deal. Or there's this one, uh, this is more, much more, you know, in with the kids these days. Oh, she got her first iPod. Oh, no, I'm sorry. iPhone. She got her first iPhone. Finally. Joy. You can see the sister on the right there, she's going to be crying in about 14 seconds when she realizes that she did not get a device. You look in, you realize, yes, this is so great. Bliss, elation, happiness. Now, with a, with, a, with a new device, that probably lasts for a week. I'd say you wake up every day for about a week feeling like, yes, all is well with the world. And then you start realizing you have to pay for a lot of the apps that you want. Then you start realizing that every time you go on social media, um, you're just feeling worse about your life. And, and now you have it with you all the time. And so you're constantly confronted by how much better uh, the lives of your friends are than yours. And you're like, oh. And so it kind of just kind of tapers off, Right? And that's why we say that for biblical joy, real joy, it's truth, bliss, and then peace. And that is the critical element. And that's the, uh, what's in your note sheets. Joy, joy comes from truth. It begins with bliss. There is an emotional component to joy. But it settles into peace. A strong conviction that all is well. That things will be well. All is right all is good. God is real. God is faithful. He's not going to quit. He won't give up. What he did now, he's going to keep doing. What he did then still has effects forever. He doesn't stop. And we can rest in that. Let's uh, look back at the text. 
This is Elizabeth, right? Elizabeth uh, just, this is her joy moment. Um, again, this is another divine passive. How he has honored me too. Traditional translations will say something like, and how is it this happened to me? Right? Oh no, it, it, it didn't happen to you. God happened to you. Joy happened to you. God made happen to you. Uh, made joy happen to you. That, uh, how is it that he's honored me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as I heard your voice greeting me, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. Happy is the woman who trusted the Lord to do everything he promised her. Notice, you know, if you're like, okay, so here, what's our, what's our goal here? How can we get joy Christmas? Lives are crazy. We're miserable. We want joy at Christmas. What's the five-step Elizabeth plan to getting joy? Step one. Keep staying alive. Step two. Sort of be at your house, I guess, at the right time. Step three, it just happens, right? What is it Elizabeth has done? Nothing. She's walking around. She's six months pregnant at 60 years old, which must have been horrible. Uh, she, so her back hurts. Um, she's doing her thing. She, and then suddenly joy just explodes on the scene, right? Joy doesn't just, she, she's not like, oh, if I just, this is, the, the, this is what Elizabeth didn't do. She didn't say, all right, in order for joy to happen this Christmas, I need to make sure that, that the Christmas party is perfect. If it's not absolutely perfect, uh, it's going to be a complete failure and no one will have any joy. And so I have to take onto my shoulders all of the details to make sure that this family gathering is finally the one where no one gets mad at each other, where everyone is just happy the whole time. And we all sing Kumbaya. No, we sing Away in a Manger. And, and we're sitting around the fire and it's just beautiful. If I can't make that happen, there will not be joy. Is that what it Nope. That was not Elizabeth's five-point plan for joy. Elizabeth's five-point plan for joy was just kind of show up. Because you know what? She has no control over it. God is the one who brings joy. God creates joy. You don't. On the one hand, this is really good news. You can forgive yourself, take yourself off the hook for not having joy in your life. It's not your fault. You can, you can relax if you're not feeling joyful. You can relax and know that it's not your fault. You are not responsible for joy. Joy is something that God gives out of his gracious love. But there's bad news too. Because there isn't a five-point plan to making your life joyful. There isn't something that you can do or some place that you can be or some experience that you can have or some party you can throw that is going to bring you joy. You have to depend on God to give it to you. What I worry about is that for a lot of us, we want to sort of take the Holy Spirit by the the horns and say, We're, I'm going to wrangle you. I'm going to put you in the place where I want you to be. I want you to show up here and now. And, and, and if you don't, then I'm done with you. What Elizabeth said is, happy is the woman who trusted the Lord to do everything he promised her. All she did was believe that God was going to do these things. And she says, Mary, you just believe that God's going to do these things, and it will turn out. It will be well. All things will come. There will be peace. It will be good. Just trust it, and don't try to control it. 
It's the next thing on your, your note sheets. You can't create joy for yourself. It's a response to God's truth. It's a response to recognizing that God is doing things and that, that, that message comes somehow to you and you respond being like, yes, God is good. God is real. God is in control. God is healing. God is forgiving. God is drawing people to repentance. God is giving us life. God is not giving up on us. God has a safe passage for us. God is going to do it. That's where joy comes from. I want to... Um, well, it's bad news, right? We, the question, how do we get joy at Christmas? And the answer is you can't. End of sermon, go home, put your hands in your pockets, just slog through another Christmas season, wait for it to be over, distract yourself with, with Candace Cameron movies on the Hallmark Movie Channel, and just wait till it's over. I think there is something we can do. But it might require a little bit of a perspective shift. I want to look at the text again. This is the very beginning. Not too long after, Mary got up and hurried to a city in the Judean hills. There she entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. Not too long after, that's an uh, idiom there in Greek, uh, in these days or something like that. What, what's just happened is that the angel Gabriel has just told Mary, hey, good news, you're pregnant. And Mary's like, no, I know, but that's impossible. And he's like, Good news again, that's the Holy Spirit. A little shameful for you, but very exciting. And guess what, Mary? There's more good news. Your cousin Elizabeth, she's 60, she's pregnant too. Six months pregnant. And Mary's like, her response is, uh, let it be as you say. That's like the, uh, the, the sort of the old way of it. Really, it's more like, I hope you're right. I hope this is it. I believe, but man, this is scary. And so what does she do? She's sitting here and she's thinking of all these things in her head like, I'm pregnant from the Holy Spirit. My son is going to save the world. Ah, Elizabeth's preggers? No way. No way. Let's check. Right? That, I mean, that would be nice. It would be nice to kind of know if this is the real deal. And so she, she gets up. She hurries uh, to Elizabeth's place. There she enters the house of Zacharias, greets Elizabeth. There's an, is an ambiguity in the text. We're not sure if Mary's like just trying to check on Elizabeth or if Mary's kind of sharing with Elizabeth the good news, like the joy of what's happening. Because there's not, a, imagine you're Mary, there's not a lot of people who are going to be um, on board if you're like, oh yeah, this pregnancy, Holy Spirit, uh, I'm still a virgin for sure. Not a lot of people are going to get on board with that. But potentially... Your cousin, who's just had a miraculous pregnancy, maybe she'll be able to... And so maybe Mary's coming and she's going to share and, and share the joy and the excitement with Elizabeth. Maybe she's going to see that Elizabeth's pregnant and be like, yes, this is the real deal. I can, I can trust everything's coming the way that God said it's going to be. And maybe she's also sort of sharing with Elizabeth the joy of, of being a part of God's miraculous plan. She entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. When Jewish people greet each other, we're like, what's up? Yo. In, uh, in Japanese, it's ohayou gozaimasu, right? Well, the cool Japanese kids, they go, oh. That's like a shortened version of ohayou gozaimasu. Oh. We all do it. We all have like a way of, you know, this cool, awesome. Is that, 
Jews, when they greet each other, what do they say? Shalom, right? Shalom. Mary knocks on the door. Nothing. She enters the house. Shalom. Peace be with you. All is well. You are blessed. God's life lives with you, and all shall be well. That's what shalom means. And at that very moment, John the Baptist bumps, jumps for joy in Elizabeth's womb. Peace on this house. Peace to you. God has shown up and made things well for you. What Mary has just done is she's come and she has pronounced a blessing on Elizabeth in in the way that all greetings in, in, in Hebrew culture work where she's just said, this is what's true about the world. You are blessed. You Things are going to be well, even if they're not well right now, but they will be well. God is here. God's salvation is real. It won't quit. That's what's real. And the moment that happens, that's when John the Baptist is, whoop, in her belly, and immediately the Holy Spirit fills Elizabeth. Elizabeth has just heard from Mary peace, and she knows instantaneously that that blessing is true. If you're with me so far, what, what we've said is, well, you can't get joy. Joy is not something you can seize. It's not in your purview. You're not able to control it. You can't wrangle the Holy Spirit. But, But you can potentially be a part of God's joy coming to someone else. You can be the messenger. You can be the one who brings the good news. The one who says, yeah, things are going to be okay. For those who are caught up in sin, you are released and you are free because Christ died for you. For those who are caught up in shame, you don't have to be ashamed anymore. No one was more shamed than Jesus Christ on the cross, condemned and executed as a criminal when he was the son of God. That is the man who died for you. You are ailing. You can be healed. You are lost. You can and are found in him. You are grieving because you missed that person you lost. God is with you. So am I and you will be reunited in the last day. You have the opportunity in your life to be a part of that good news, that truth that, that, that thunders in someone's mind. Remember, uh, we, it comes from the Father, the Father wills it, and then it's through Christ. Remember, the, that's the body of Christ now. The church is the primary place through whom God sends his gift of joy. It always comes through Jesus. That's us, the body of Christ. And it's in the power of the Spirit who reveals and and, and releases it. So you could actually be that that person who goes forth and and is empowered by the Spirit and releases and reveals God's saving, life-giving truth of shalom peace to somebody this season. It's guts time. There's a part of your note sheets that says, Today's takeaway and other notes. I would like if everybody here wrote down three names of people that you know in or out of the church, doesn't matter. In or out of your family, doesn't matter. 
who need God's good news. That can be uh, the news of, of forgiveness of sins and new life through faith. It can be that all will be well. It can be that even if you die from this illness, you will live again. It can be, even though you're lonely, that is not forever. It could be, I love you. It could be, you are loved and God hasn't quit loving you. It could be anything. It could be, it could be anything. I don't know these people. But I want three names from everybody here. Three names of people who need the message of God's shalom peace. You can't get joy, but God might use you to give it. Imagine, imagine that we all did this. We, um, we did the three names, right? There's what? How many people here? We'll just be generous. Say 100. 100 people. Three names. That's 300 names. Imagine what would happen if you actually did this. Over the course, up in, you have until December 25th, homework assignment. Up until December 25th, crit, okay, 11.59 p.m. on December 25th. You could do it on the Christmas day. That's fine. But you actually go and you actually give the gift of, of, of I mean, you're not giving the gift of joy, but you're, you're blessing, spreading shalom, the truth of who God is, what he's done to somebody else, right? 300 people, 300 people receive this gift. Imagine, now let's get a little bit bigger. Imagine what would happen if, uh, you know, all the churches in Orange County, we all sort of got together and did this. We all said, we are, instead of trying to get the joy for me and come up with a five-step program to, to make my joy complete, instead, we're, we're, we're going to see if we can be a part of God's gift of joy uh, to others. Imagine what would happen if we did that. Imagine how transformed this sick-unto-death county would become. You don't have to be owned by your pocketbook. You don't have to be owned by your despair. You have life. There is hope. God does win. You have it. Imagine what would happen if, if, if all of us started giving that away. What joy could resound in this place, in this county? I think I have um, the picture of, of the perfect Christmas. Yes. I don't know who these people are, but they showed up on a Google image search. I mean, that is like ultimate Christmas right there. Like, I, I love it because everyone's like a little bit confused and no one really quite knows what's going on. There's a mess everywhere. But you can imagine what's just happened here. Um, all these people have been in this room and every single person has, has brought gifts for all the rest of them, right? And then has lost themselves in, in just handing those out, Right? And so everyone's kind of inundated with gifts, and like, I'm surprised I'm getting this gift, and they're shoving gifts elsewhere. It, it really is what we dream of when we think of Christmas done right. Instead of the kids being like, mine! You know, instead of me sitting there being like, disappointed again, no one knows how to get gifts for Tom. You know, instead of that, instead of that, we're in, we're in a mode where we're pushing those gifts uh, to others, Right? And, and in the midst of that, we, that's kind of the idea that we have in our, in our human minds, in our, in, our, in our sort of maybe a little more secular world, what a joyful, joyous Christ, Christmas might be like. What I'm saying to you, and I think what the scriptures are communicating to us in the story of Mary and Elizabeth, is that something like that is what the body of Christ is supposed to be doing, not just at Christmas time, but all year around. 
Like, this is our mission. We are the purveyors of God's peace. We are the ones who go out and and share God's truth. And through us, the Spirit reveals and releases joy into the lives of the entire world. We are the ones who are supposed to bring joy to the world. And so often we're like, man, I'm busy. I wish I could get that spirit of Christmas back. Three names. I, I am, I'm dead serious. Real homework assignment. I'm really asking you to do three names. Um, and again, uh, just like the last one, Yelp for Yahweh, if uh, you would share, say you, you actually do this, you have until December 25th, you actually do it, you bring the good news of God's peace or love, forgiveness, um, comfort, healing, whatever, to whomever, and it goes, let's just imagine that it goes well. I'd like you to email me about it. I'd like to hear it. Because I am desperate, desperate to see joy return to South County. And I really believe, really believe that God is calling us to get it started. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, um, we confess that you have given us joy. That when we first heard the news that you had saved us, that you are real, that you don't quit, that you forgive, that you give life in the name of your Son, that when those things happen, that you bury joy deep in our hearts. God, like Mary, we've been called to spread it, to give it, to stop trying to rekindle it and seize it and grab it, but to, to give the word of your love to others. I pray that this, uh, your body, your, the body of Christ, that will be the actors, will be the ones who go and spread the gift of joy this Christmas season and this next year, that you, God, will be glorified, that hearts will be turned and enlightened, that we'll shout it from the rooftops and the mountains and see your joy descend like rain. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.